The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. I want to get right into what we're going to talk about. I'm excited about this. If you missed last week, we were in a series called Unleash the Power. And I, and the reason that I titled it, and I'm, I'm, I, if you know anything about me or if you've been here any while, I'm not really, I, I don't like churchy vernacular. I'm not really a churchy vernacular person. If you see me and we're hanging out and talking, you're probably never going to hear me say hallelujah. Uh, You're probably never going to hear me use the churchy vernacular terms, which is, if you use them, that's fine. I'm not, there's absolutely no judging. I'm just saying, but I went with this because I wanted us to just deal with it. We're five months into this church plant, and I just want, people are asking me all the time, well, what do you think about this, and what do you think about this, and what do you think about this? And I am trying to walk through what I think because it's too hard to have a conversation with everybody about everything because it's like, okay, sit down, let's take five hours, you know, over this one thing. And so I'm trying to be very uh, much a person of integrity, and this is, this is what I see from Scripture. And so typically we use a couple verses, but I am going to walk through just a bunch a bunch of verses because I want you to see how we came up with this and how God has downloaded this at least to what I I feel like he's called us to do and and for what this church is called to do. There is a great purpose for your life. And God doesn't micromanage us because of our past mistakes. That's good. And while it is true that sin is a separator from the presence of God, it is. We have a, a, a culture that wants to say, well, you know, sin's not even really that big of a deal anymore. Uh, go try it. See how many people you hurt in your life. You know, sin is a separator and it ends and it leads to death. First physically, then spiritually. That's how it is. If you don't believe me, uh, go ahead and um, be married and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go hang out with some other women. <laughs> See what death comes. Yeah, I'm just saying that, that that's just the reality of it. You cannot like it or like it, but that's where we're at. First physical, then spiritual. But I tell you this, in his loving mercy, God has a redemptive plan for us. And for those who feel like they're struggling to unleash their potential, God has a helper for you to do that. Yes, it's true. You can work diligently and you can practice, prepare, perform, and you can try to live your life at a higher level. But I can tell you that it's very hard to sustain that. And you need a helper that comes along. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is our focus in this series. And we are talking about unleashing the power of the Holy Spirit that will ultimately help you move toward more freedom. That's what it's about. Come on, we have so many Christians that are not free. You know, we use terminology like we're free, but come on, are we free from pleasing people? Are we free from ambition, birthed in pride? Are we free from um, needing others to make us happy? Are we free from boredom? Are we free from fear? And so the reality is the Holy Spirit has been sent so that it would free us so that we could do what God asked us to do. And let's look at a few verses here. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witness. You shall be my witness. I'm emphasizing that for a reason. To me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, for if you grew up in a more Pentecostal, charismatic background, this is your verse. You know what I'm saying? This is the honey verse. This is your go-to. The fact that we even say power in church, you're starting to get tingles. You know what I'm saying? And I think that the problem is, is that sometimes we misinterpret this word power to only mean miracles. Or we misinterpret this word power, but it's the power to live the Christian life. It is the power to live the Christian life. And look at this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be unwise. Okay, so we're talking about being wise and unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine. Okay? Which is the dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. And basically, um, uh, what is it? Uh, that, that word... Um, Dissipation, is that, am I saying that right? Uh, is basically wastefulness. So it, don't be drunk with wine because that's wasteful, it's stupid. You're wasting stuff. But be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so, so let's look at this. I want to talk about three things real quick that will help maximize your potential. The first is we've got to recognize our need for the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus say... Hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that we could be a witness. So that we could be a witness. And listen, there is a difference. We're bringing 30 young people here today at 4 o'clock to do a mission trip for eight days. My goal is not that they go witnessing, but they become a witness. Okay? Witnessing is something you have to gear up to go do. A witness is someone you are. You've seen something, and now you're going to give an account of what you've seen, and you've always seen it. You can't not see it. If you don't say what you saw, then you're lying. But I think that the church has tried to, you know, sell the whole 501c3. We're people who do good, and so we're going to go out and witness in good things and do good things to people. And then we're going to come back, and we're going to relax, and we're going to be our own selfish self. <laughs> the job is that when we receive the Holy Spirit, something changes in us. And we have the power to go and overcome. I can overcome what you think about me. I can overcome what I think about me. And I can do the thing that God has called me to do. And that is power to go do that. And a lot of people are missing that power. They're missing that. Our goal is to become a witness not and be and be salt and be light be salt and light we live in a culture that loves power and people of power and we love famous people let me ask you this when when there is a problem with your order who do you want to talk to you don't want to talk to the server Bring me the manager. Bring me the boss. I mean, hold on, hold on. I ordered this. I got this. You said it was going to cost this. We need to talk. You know what I'm saying? You, why? Because you want, I want the guy, I want where the buck ends. 
Think about this. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship or friendship or conversation with someone who drops names. Come on, you ever been in a, in a name drop situation? You know, you're over there talking. You're like, oh, yeah, me and Jerry were talking. Jer- Jerry? Jerry Jones? Oh, oh, <laughs> Dallas Cowboy. I mean, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a, a conversation where people drop names. <laughs> well, me and uh, the president of Walmart, we, <laughs> we got a latte. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. You know? But we're fascinated with power. Come on, people go every, I mean, every day, Graceland is packed. Because yeah. <laughs> we want to see where the king of pop lived. Graceland. What about, what about you know, I, don't, I grew up in the 80s. Come on, in the 80s? King of pop, baby Michael Jackson, everybody. Everybody wanted to moonwalk. Everybody wanted to have a thriller jacket. I don't know about you, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, we all don't, we all, come on, if you know, we did the dance, we knew. My point is, the reason that Jordan's shoes sell, the reason that there's name brands, the reason that is because there, we are enamored with people of influence and people of power. Yeah. And I want you to know that you can have the same spirit that lived in Christ, yes. living in you. That's, a, that's bigger than Graceland. Okay, that, that's pretty big. And, and I want to tell you in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide in you forever. The second thing that I want to talk about as we're moving through maximizing our potential, first is recognize the need for the Holy Spirit. The second one is that we've got to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to spend some time on this because it's sad because many are missing a greater experience with God and they feel like salvation is all I need. The Bible does teach that we receive the Holy Spirit the moment... We come to surrender to Christ in Romans chapter 8, verse 9 and 11. And the reason I'm reading this is because I want to put everything in context. Because I don't know what you've been taught, and so I'm trying to handle some, some of what we've been taught. But it says this, But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who lives in you. Undeniable. Undeniable. Okay? But here's what I want to say. Is there obviously scripture records and talks about that there is a greater measure of the Holy Spirit and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Old and the New Testament both talk about the progress and the process. Let, let's, let's talk a little bit. We talked last week, just briefly, about the fact that the disciples did not need the Holy Spirit because they had Jesus. And Jesus was the one that was around them. And Jesus was the one sending them. And Jesus was the one... And, and every time they got a little off, Jesus would rebuke them and say, where's your faith? What's going on? And there were times when the disciples left that they couldn't do anything. And then when they came back, he taught them how. This is 
the style of relationship that the Holy Spirit wants with you, where there's not a leaving and a coming, but there's a staying. And we have compartmentalized church into this uh, into the, uh, this secular versus sacred. And so we do God stuff on Sunday morning, but not really through the week. And God was like, hold up, that ain't going to work for your faith. You're going to need to walk daily with me. We're going to have to talk all the time. Like every time your wife asks you to do something and all you want to do is stop and just chill and that little anger thing starts coming up and you want to say, and then the Holy Spirit starts, that's not love. I know, but I feel it. It feels so real. It, it was a daily walk. And so here's the deal. As we look at this, I want to look at John chapter 20, verse 21. And this really gives us some insight. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I am going to send you. Okay? This is after Jesus has come back, he's talking to the disciples, and then he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand that there's two ways to interpret this, but at the end, it's the same. You can read this as he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Or you can look at this text and say, he breathed on them and told them, hey, receive the Holy Spirit when Acts, and we'll read Acts chapter 2 here in just a second. But, but, but here's what I want you to see, is that this is their salvation experience. Jesus did with the disciples exactly what God did with man. Okay, let's look at this. The Gospels, and, and you've got to know a little bit about the four Gospels. The four Gospels all reveal Jesus in a different light. The men. Matthew reveals Jesus as king. Mark reveals Jesus as servant. Luke reveals Jesus as man. But John reveals Jesus as God. Okay? Jesus himself as God now is sending the Spirit and telling them, listen, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathes on them. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 Let's look there. Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into the nostrils, and, and the breath breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Here's what Jesus was doing He was setting the disciples apart, and he was breathing into them new life. Just like God did back in the day. God is. Jesus is breathing into new life. Listen. And so we go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And let's look at this. Then the day of Pentecost. And, and, and I don't know how you grew up, but, but, but maybe Pentecost, maybe people were running around the aisles and tambourining. And you know what I'm saying? You didn't know what was happening. And, and can I just tell you that Pentecost just means 50? It's not like some super spiritual, oh, Pentecost, 50. You know, maybe you get geeked out about 75, or when someone says 80, you're like, ooh, but Pentecost is 50. It means 50. And, and if you, uh, I guess if you don't believe me, you can Google it, or you can look up Leviticus chapter 23, verse 16, because that's where it came. It was talking about 50 days since the last celebration. 
And so let's look at this. The day of when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were all in one accord. They were all in one accord. You need to remember that. They were all in one accord. Man, if we could find a church that everybody was in one accord. But anyway, and then suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house, and they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? That's in the Bible. Okay, I didn't retype anything. It's there. Now, as we look at this, we need to take this verse in context with what we know. There are 120 disciples in the upper room waiting. 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 What it... Pentecost, 50 days, they're waiting a long time. That's a long time to wait, okay? I don't want to wait for uh, a hamburger for more than three minutes. 50 days sitting there, praying, waiting, agreeing, agreeing, waiting, praying, waiting. Now, here's the thing. As soon as we get done with this verse, we go in and we read that Peter begins to, to speak. And he begins to, to, to prophesy and, and preach to the people. And they think that he's drunk with wine. They're like, man, what y'all been, been doing up there, man? We are getting crazy up in there. Listen, but, but really, it's in the middle of the day. And the reality is this, is that what we know about Peter walking on the water, falling asleep when Jesus wants him to pray, Cut off the guard's ear. Come on, you remember that? This is PDP. This is Peter. You know what I'm saying? He, he grabs the knife and in an instant cuts off the guard's ear and the ear falls. And Jesus picks up the guard's ear and puts it back on the dude's head. I wish I could have been there. I want to see that movie. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but Peter is a, someone who had a... Re, a a reoccurring problem with his faith. And his flesh most of the time took over, but not anymore. Not anymore. He stands up and over 3,000 people are added to the church and they're baptized that day. Come on. There had to be something happened in that upper room that was after the experience of new birth. There had to be something in that room that happened after the experience of Jesus breathing life and these disciples saying, hey, we're saved. Listen, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness. You will be my witness. Listen. It is clear that if you receive the Spirit when you, when you are one with Christ, but there is an infilling and there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you from the Old Testament. Let's look at the tabernacle. Is that picture up here? Okay. Now, what we know is there's a lot of types and shadows. We, we see that. And so here's what I want you to see is, first of all, this is the tabernacle uh, back in the OT. And, and basically, this is what Moses set up. And this is how they this is how the priests worshiped. And this is how people really uh, got atonement for their sin. 
And so here is the door, door right here. There's one door. Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come except for by me. In other words, I am the door. I'm the door. This is the door to the tabernacle. If you want to get to here, which is the sweet spot, you have to walk through the door. Isn't it funny that the first thing that happens when you walk through the door is there's a burnt offering and there's sacrifice. The first thing that happens when you walk through is that there is, a, there, there is a sacrifice. And that priests would come every day and they would sacrifice and they would spill blood to atone for the people's sin. John 1, 29 says, Behold, I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Isn't it interesting that as soon as you come from here, you come to the bronze laver, and this is a pool of water, and you're supposed to be washed. Baptism. You're supposed to be washed. The next thing that happens is that, that you come and after you would sacrifice and after this atonement would happen, the priest would come and he would wash himself and become clean. We see that in baptism when we come and, and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and then we, we get baptized. And then the very next thing on this is the show bread. What is the bread? The bread is the bread of life. We call that now the Word of God. The very next thing is the oil, the Holy Spirit, the light into our path. Isn't it funny that the four things that we all have today are the very four things that we see to go in and enter into a deeper relationship with God and to meet Him? Does it make sense? Salvation, baptism, bread of life, Holy Spirit. Many people love to talk about how God changed, but God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, forever. I don't change. He just took it from one place of dwelling where you could have it, and I could have it, and we could all have this gift of the Holy Spirit to empower our walk. Listen, as we look at this, I want us to see this is the same thing that happens in our life. You get saved. People are all the time, well, I don't know about the Holy Spirit, you know, and then the tongues thing, and then all of that. I just, I, you know, I can explain all that. The reason that they had tongues is because that was how the early church heard the gospel in all the different tongues. And, and, and I'll show you that here in just a little bit. And I, and I will tell you this, that I have been in churches that seek the sensual. And they make everybody uncomfortable. And everybody's blowing on people and needing a tic-tac. And, you know, it's like, dear God. But then I've been at churches where they are fundamentally correct. But there is no life. There is no spirit. There is a lot of people trying to do good. But at the end of the day, they can't. I'm just trying to go to church so that I can work on my morale or I can be better morally. The goal was never for you to be a good person. That was never the goal, and that's not why Jesus died on the cross, is so that you would become a good person. The goal was that you would become free, become effective, carry the message, and be a witness. That's, right. that's the goal. That's the goal. As we look at this, 
The third thing that I want to talk about is we've got to realize that there is more. There is more. And so let's look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's in there. This is, uh, this is the, what happened when they got done in the upper room. Well, that was for that moment. Okay? I'll give you that one. Acts chapter 10, verse 45. And, and they of the circumcision which believed, we're talking about believers, were astonished as many that came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also were poured out the gifts of the Holy Spirit for they heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. And then he answered Peter. And, and we, we can go on. Is, is the next verse on there? Or is that it? Okay. My, my point is saying that it wasn't just the 120 in the upper room that believed Jesus. Now it's to the Gentiles. Now something is happening and God is, is, is moving and it's happening on other people. And we've got to think about this. And, and I know that this is a weird and, and, and murky subject because you know what? There's so much divisiveness in this. But my heart is just to show you what the Bible says. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 7, I want to read this. Then Apollos at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And when he found some of the disciples, he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Paul, so Paul asked, so the conversation is about what? The Holy Spirit. We can follow that, right? We diagram sentences in the third grade. We can, we can follow. The point of this conversation is Paul is trying to get to the fact that do you, disciples and believers, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? That's what we're talking about. No, we have not heard that there be a Holy Spirit. So Paul said, well, what baptism did you receive? Flip it. John, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was one of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him which is Jesus, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, this is their process. They were baptized. Not in John. They weren't baptized in the forerunner. They were baptized in the Son. Okay? That happened. Then Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and they were about 12 men in all, everyone, all people, 12 in one. Now, as we look at this, well, well that was for the early church. That, that's fine, but I, you do, do need to know that this particular incident happened 20 years later from Pentecost. This particular incident happened 20 years later. Jerusalem, about 33 A.D., Receiving the Holy Spirit by faith is just like salvation. And, and I don't know why the Holy Spirit is attacked so much because I, I just want to walk through this conversation with you. How did you receive Christ? Did, did you raise your hand? Did you say a prayer? Did you walk an altar? Did you... I hear so many people, well, okay, fine. If the Holy Spirit's real, then I don't want to do anything. I want Him to do it. I don't want Him to do it all. Okay, but did you do that in salvation? 
Did you do any of that in salvation? Did, so you levitated from your chair. You came down to the, to the altar. Boof. I have to be saved. I don't even know what my hands are doing. Oh, God. You know, I mean, I mean that, that happened or not? No. Here's what happened. You came to the end of yourself. You felt the Holy Spirit moving in your life. And you were finally brave enough to say, I'm a sinner. And I need some redemption. And so out of your mouth, you said a prayer. And you, I mean, if we think about this literal, I mean, it's so crazy to be saved. Just think about that literally. If you've never grown up in church. Okay, so the pastor, anybody ever heard? Okay, if you want Jesus to be invited into your heart, just lift your hands. Everybody just lift your hands. Anybody ever heard that? Literally? Okay, so is Jesus a midget? Is he small? Is he this? Does he come in here? Does he, does he, does he come in my heart? Is he, how does he get through blood vessels? Do I shoot him? How does he live in my heart? My heart is a blood pumping organ. Does he swim in the heart? Is he Dracula? What, what, I don't understand what you're telling me. Is Jesus, he living in my, well, you know what we mean. We don't mean heart. We mean head. We don't mean head. We mean soul. Well, you know what we mean. I have no idea what you mean. Do I need to clean my house? Is he coming to live in my room? I don't know what you're talking about. But everybody, just lift your hands right now. Lift your hands and invite Jesus into your heart. You know why we don't, you know why we don't care about that? Because universally, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, it doesn't matter. We all agree that that's how you get saved. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus comes, He's the Son of God, and but the reality of that and the terminology that we use, who, who wants to give Jesus a home? That's awkward. Listen, listen. There is we have to be astute enough to realize that could it be, and I just want to give you this thought, could it be that the reason the Holy Spirit gets so much pushback is because the enemy would love us to go witness, to, wit to be someone who goes witnessing, but never to be a witness. To never to be able to walk up and, hey, you know what? Hey, I, I, I want to talk to you about the church. I want to talk to you about, hey, I want to invite you. Hey, I want to. <laughs> Could it be that? Listen, receiving the Holy Spirit comes by faith. And you know what? I get it. There's been a lot of churches that have swung either way. And we've got to talk about this. And then you decide for yourself. But the reality is the gift of tongues and the grace of tongues, they're obviously different. It's scriptural. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Okay, now if it was a tongue to another language, why would I be building up myself? I know hola. Como se llama? That's it. But when I talk in Spanish, I do not edify, I do not, man, I'm off, this is a great day. Man, I'm feeling really bad. Just got a flat tire. Got a doctor's bill. Got a mother, one of them kids, need braces. 
Komasayama. <laughs> mm, I'm feeling better already. Hola, hola, hola. I mean, I'm, woo! God, this is great. It's almost like I have money in the bank now. This is Paul talking. He who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Listen, in Zephaniah 3.9, you can write this down. I, I wanted to put it on there, but I, but I just thought I needed to put it in after I got done with my text. It says in Zephaniah 3.9, For then I will restore to the people a pure language, that they all may call on my name, will call on the name of the Lord, and to serve him with one accord. One accord. The disciples were in the upper room. One accord. God and Zephaniah, I, I will come and I will restore a pure language. Could it be? And I'm just throwing this out to you, but could it be that this was the language in the garden? Could it be? Because we know that there wasn't divided languages until the Tower of Babel. All I'm saying is this is what Paul said. I encourage myself. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8 and 18 and 19 says this. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Is Paul saying nanny nanny boo boo? I mean, is Paul going, I speak in tongues. What's funny is there are actually some churches that feel that way about tongues and the Holy Spirit. I'm like, what? You put on your underwear just like I do? It don't make you any... But in somehow, we have the gift. We have the gift. It it was free. (laughs) I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligent... This is... The real issue. This is the issue. The issue isn't even tongues because the reality of it is this. We can dissect the context of this word. We can talk about theology. But really, this is it. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. It edifies me. It builds me up. But in the church... Why don't we go ahead and use words? Because it's less weird. And so I speak to you in words. When I go out to eat with Abel, when I go out to eat with Jason, when I I go out to eat with Matt, we talk in words. I I just say, hey, bro, pass me the salt. (laughs) It's never been weird one time. In the church, people are coming in. They're skeptic. They don't know what's going on. that would be, it's, it's, it's weird, okay? I, and we don't have 35 minutes to, to explain to every visitor that walks in. But the reality is that if you're a believer, for you to maximize your potential, I don't believe Paul was cutting down everybody else. I believe what he was saying is, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And, and you know what? I have met a lot of people that had a stronghold in their mind and they just couldn't get past. 
And the reality is, that's not that weird because I meet people who have been in the Christian faith for 15 to 20 years and they, can, they don't even know if they've ever heard God. They don't, they don't know if, hey, well, does God, what, just pray and see what God says. Oh, dang, could you just tell me? I mean, really pray? I can have him talk to me? It's kind of weird. Listen, it's scriptural. It's a benefit. Ephesians 3, 13 and 18, I'm almost done. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand. Therefore, therefore having girded your waist with truth and, have, and putting on the breastplate of righteousness, having, your, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a defense against the enemy. It's a defense against the enemy. Jude 20, read this real quick. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm not trying to cause division, but... This is how I interpret this scripture. In Luke 13, and this is my last verse, Luke 13, verse 11, 13. If the son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him the serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit for those who ask Him? The Holy Spirit is not an it. It is a Him. Bottom line. And why would Jesus want you to ask for it if you just received it? The reality is this. God is calling you to maximize your potential. And the only way for us to live stronger outside the walls than in is to allow the Holy Spirit to move on our life and to fill us and empower us. We've got to recognize our need for the Holy Spirit. We've got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we've got to realize that there is more for us. Recognize that there is more for us. Nick, you guys come on up real quick. As we end here today, I encourage you to look through the scripture, read Acts. There's a lot of verses that I did, I could have read, you know, but for the sake of time and, you know, the fact that we didn't read the whole service. Um, but here's the thing. I was saved when I was 19 years old. Um, then I got baptized. And... Katie and I have been uh, speaking in tongues for 20 years. And we're not weird, and we're not kooky. We pay our bills on time. <laughs> we love all of our children. But here's the thing. 
I believe that there are some of you that you have an itch to do something great for God, and I'm telling you that you cannot do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. And there is a feeling, there is a feeling, and, and, and maybe this is the first time you've ever heard anybody teach on this. That's why I spent two Sundays on it. But it is my, my heart that we would not be a church that would say, okay, God, we go this far. We go this far. Now, we are not going to be a church where everybody starts bringing tambourines and, and running the aisles. and, and that, 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 that is not what we're doing either. I'm just going to let you know. Um, well, are you, are you saying you're going to quench the spirit? I'm going to quench that spirit. And we can debate on which spirit it is. But, but, what, I'm, but, I'm, but what I'm going to do and what I'm, as the pastor of the house, and what I'm open to is I'm open to people being used by the Lord and tapping into some power and overcoming generational curses. Yes. And, and, and when, they're, when they're down and they need help and they need a comforter and they need the revealer of truth to come in and help them because they, they want to walk away from marriage or they want to tell their kids off or they want to sever a relationship or they want to step out of their job that the Holy Spirit starts to come in them and they have a comforter and a helper that can be there with them. Because that's what I feel like will produce free people. Yeah. And that's what I'm into. I want to see people be free. I don't want to, well, well the, that, that's all been, that's all, that's great. But my last question is, it's passed away. Obviously it's passed away. That was for the early church. The funny thing about that thought is that it talks about Faith, hope, and love in the same verse. Hope has not passed away yet. Jesus has not come back. Hey, you heard trumpet? You know, I'm just saying, faith has not been passed away. I still need to believe even though I do not see. And the Holy Spirit. There will be a day I do not need a tongue. There will be a day that, that, that I don't need that. I'm standing face to face with Jesus and we are communicating and I don't need none of that. But today, you can't drive down the road without seeing a billboard of something nasty. Today, you can't look out your, 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 your door and not try to compete with the person who lives to the right or left of you. Today, when, it, when, kid, when a teacher starts talking about your kids, and they're like, well, they're a little behind. Let me tell you, let me tell you, about, let me tell you what I think. What you want to do. You know, we're still in this world and we live in this world and, and Jesus gave us a way to walk through it. Now you can do it on your own and you'll still be saved. And I'm not going to say that you won't have some degree of victory. But it'll never be what it could be. And so on, I'm open. Send me an email. I'm sure I'll get a few. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't mind walking through this. But this is where we're going to be. This is where we're going. We want to see broken people healed. You walk through that door and come on. We want people to find freedom. We want people to find forgiveness. We want people to be focused.
intentional, and we want people to find a home. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at the house, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.